0: Well, good morning church and uh, great to see you again, albeit through the lens of a camera to imagine your faces there. And it's good to be able to gather and be around God's word again. We're continuing our series today called Blessed Beyond All Measure. Blessed Beyond All Measure. It's all about this perspective change that we have, which is Understanding I am blessed positions me to share. It moves me from kind of having this posture where I'm protecting what is mine and and it moves my hands out here where I can think of others. And that's such a profound shift to get through. Now, for those of you who at this present time are financially battling, the message for you might be different. You might need your hands out here But actually right now you need some help. One of my friends says in jest, money's not everything, but it's second to air. (laughs) It's second to air. And if you're literally operating on thin air right now, then the message from Access Church to you is we are here to help. So if your financial position is one of real strain right now, given the uncertain environment we're in, it's okay to go through a season of receiving from the people of God and receiving from the Lord. And I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that before hearing anything else today. If right now you need some help, please get in touch with us and we would love to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to you in this time. Back to our series. Blessed beyond all measure. When I comprehend that my life overflows with God's grace and mercy, it it moves me to towards generosity. I can't stay selfish. I can't stay in this mode of protecting what is mine. On the other hand, if I have no affiliation with the fact that God has blessed me first, then I can't move towards this spirit of generosity. And our culture is trying to every day squeeze us into a mold, which is the three most important people in your life are right here. Me, myself, and I. Me, myself and I, we're in this culture of consumerism where it's all about me, me, me. And it's hard for us not to get absorbed in our own desires and own needs and own cravings. There's this mounting voice that's going around us and it keeps getting louder and louder and it'll end up in us if we're not careful. This is the message of consumerism. It's it's simply this, You, you don't have enough yet. You don't have enough to be generous. The Oxford Dictionary describes it like this, consumerism, the preoccupation of society with the acquisition of goods. That's from the Oxford. It wants to capture us with this prevailing thought that I need more. I always need more. What I have in my hand is not enough. It's pretty much the opposite of gratitude, which says, thank you, God, I'm okay. What I have is good. Consumerism is just the opposite. You can't be content until you get this. If there's a song that captures our culture right now, our headspace, it's I want it all, I want it all. I want it all and I want it now. Don't try and block me from getting my next toy. Can't you see my happiness depends on it? And we fight and kick and scratch and scream to get our own way and try to look dignified in the process. This is us. In the end though, this greed game is like a never-ending chase. It's a monster that keeps growing. And the more you feed this beast, the more it needs. After getting that thing, you see what happens is we realize there's another thing. And then we find there's yet another thing. And it's super easy for us to get in this headspace of just needing more constantly. Let's play a quick game right now. It's winter here in Brisbane. And strangely, we've had a couple of mornings in single-digit temperatures. Felt a little bit Victorian-like. It's been a bit chilly. Uh, Not not as cold as Victorian winter by any means, but but a little chilly uh, more so than normal. I have a solution for you on screen right now. Let me introduce you to one of the best inventions of this year. It's the smart jacket the Smart Jacket, the Flex Warm Smart Jacket with built-in heating elements placed in your chest, wrist and back. And it's designed to keep you warm. It comes with special sensors for you to adjust the heat output for your convenience in this sporting stylish look that suits all different tastes. Can you imagine a jacket where you have a dial that you can adjust the temperature, keep it just right? I think you need one of those after seeing it that's what consumerism does to us it it rises up in us where i didn't realize until now that i needed that thing but now that i've seen it surely i need it a hundred percent and there's no disconnect at all between seeing and needing what we see is what we need and you know that's the purpose of every single advertisement on the TV, on the magazines, in the social media, uh, or even John O giving a sermon sponsored by Connoisseur Ice Cream. The, the hidden intent behind every ad is to create this desire in us, an unmet desire, a hunger for more, a craving that's not really helpful because for the most part, we don't need these things. I mean, a smart jacket, come on people, we don't need... These things, certainly not in a, in a subtropical climate like Brisbane. But time and time again, we find ourselves needing that next thing. And Dave Ramsey offers this insight into how consumerism plays us. He says, we end up buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. How's that for a punch in the nose? Thanks, Dave. Away with you, smart jackets. Get behind me, Satan, we say. I, for one, am not saying following Jesus is all about suffering, that living a generous life means we can never enjoy anything, that you'd better go without ice cream for the rest of your life. I'm not signing up for that tragedy. Of course, some things are just for fun, and that's okay. But the majority of our purchases should have a purpose, not just the impulsive approach of, I saw it, so heck yeah, I need it. No, we want to be better than that. Let's not be people fooled into believing the lie that that next thingamajig, that's where your happiness lies. After achieving that, that's when you can be grateful. That's when you can feel blessed. Some of us need to change our behaviour on this front. A personal testimony here that may or may not be applicable for you. It was just a small guardian against greed arising in my heart when some years ago I began putting that no junk mail sticker on my mailbox. It was just a tiny weeny little adjustment that helped me because it protected me from flicking through these glossy magazines and finding out that I have many more needs than I realized up till seeing them in that magazine. So I opted out of that game and it's helped. It removes one distraction of a consumeristic culture trying to scream and squeeze me into a mould saying, you don't have enough yet. How dare you think of yourself as blessed. In terms of contentment, I think us oldies are beginners in this space. When it simply comes to us saying enough is enough, I'm actually not in need. I don't need another phone upgrade. The old one's working just fine. The smart jacket is not an essential item, Jono. You could die tomorrow and rest in peace without having owned it. And you can live today, therefore, in peace without having owned it. When it comes to this whole arena of flushing out consumerism, there's a ton for us to learn from this character in Scripture by the name of Paul. He's a mile away from this culture of greed. He breathes in this rarefied air called contentment. And he's got so much to teach us. He writes to the church in Philippi this in Philippians 4 verse 20. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is where we find peace, in Christ Jesus. That's where it's discovered. But here in verse 8 onwards comes the instruction for maintaining peace. We find peace in Christ, but we actually have a role in the maintenance of this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, verse 8, whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In verse 13, what's coming up next is one of the most celebrated scriptures in the entire Bible. I can do all things through Christ. And we think that's amazing. We're ready to sing, I believe I can fly. We see a scripture like that. We kind of power up and begin thinking we can run through brick walls, but actually contextually not even close to the meaning. Paul says, I've grown to a point of maturity and strength in Christ where I can do anything. And we're like, wow, Paul, what sort of miracles are you up to these days? And he says, well, I'm up to the stage where I can go without a meal and still feel blessed. That's the miracle that I'm up to. Wow, that's not what we had in mind. Good for you, though, bro. I admire that. That's, that's pretty next level. Paul's not impractical, though. He doesn't live on thin air. He then goes on to share his gratitude for their financial help in verse 13 onwards. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia... Not one church shared in me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that I might credit more to your account. I've received full payment, have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. Every time I read Epaphroditus, I I get the feeling his parents couldn't agree on a name, so they stuck four together in a combined effort to punish each other. Poor old Epaphroditus. Hope there's no Epaphrodituses in our listening audience today. If 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 you're there, send us a photo, mate. Epaphroditus delivers this gift, and they are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord and may he add his blessing to it. We learn a ton here about how to escape consumerism and adopt a new mindset where we see ourselves as blessed. Paul can help us. I think first thing he'd say is you 2021 Aussies, you need to know this. Contentment is a now thing. And now is the key word. Don't wait till later. Adopt contentment now. Don't be fooled into thinking that one day down the track, when this lockdown lifts, things will be okay. I'll feel happier then. Now Paul says don't get fooled into thinking like that. Contentment is a now thing. Thing. It's our godly response to greed. It's our pushback on a culture that is trying to squeeze us into a mold that says, you don't have enough yet. John, what about that smart jacket? Weren't you chilly this morning? It's starting to sound like an advert. I don't need a coat. I own coats. I'm good, everybody. But there's this greedy scream in our culture, and we are pushing back saying, no, this is Paul. In Christ, my soul has found its home. Godly contentment does not kick in when the ideal day comes. Godly contentment is not when I get that next thing. Godly contentment is not about what's happening externally. Godly contentment is not about what's happening to me. It's about what's happening in me. It's the internal narrative that I'm telling myself. And Paul grabs a hold of this attitude of contentment right now. Now, he says, I'm smack bang in the middle of God's blessings today. Today. And he says, I can be there because I've found the secret. I've found something hidden from many people. And here's his testimony. In every situation, I've learned a secret. What's the secret, Paul? Oh, it's this. I can be content right now. It's not some pipeline dream. It's a present reality for me and someone's going to push back right now and go paul well that's okay for you but mate don't try and compare your set of circumstances to mine do you know anything at all about lockdown limitations i mean we had plans this weekend of all times on a long weekend we're off to the coast and then lockdown comes and everything's in ruin. and talk about inconvenience do you know anything about this paul <laughs> I think you'd go lock down, yeah, Uh, check out my wrists and see these scars there from being in chains for not a week or two, not a month or two, but it's been a lot of my life actually. So do you want to compare stories, huh, maybe not. Paul's not in prison because he cheated on taxes or because he stole from the supermarket. He's there because he's calling everyone everywhere to follow Jesus. And people can't handle this next level passion he's got. And people still can't handle next level passion. And people get so offended by Paul that they stir up trouble and get him locked up. And from lockdown in atrocious conditions, he spends years in seclusion. Interesting person to be talking to us about a blessed life, hey? We've found our guy, someone with a doctorate in contentment, obtained through the University of Hard Knocks. Paul's done his time in the trenches. He's lived on the end of a spear. He's been in hardship and trial and he's The most unlikely person to promote joy, but that's exactly what he does in this letter. He says, I'm rejoicing. He doesn't say it once. He says twice in our opening verse. You need to find your joy, even despite the circumstances. So, So church, stop fluffing it up. Stop making excuses. Stop saying contentment is somewhere up ahead. I'll get to the blessing one day. I'll discover gratitude in the next season. After I put this last piece of the jigsaw puzzle together, Paul would go, snap out of it. You're already blessed. You're already blessed because your joy is to be found in the Lord. was there in the first verse we read, it was such a simple thing that we just skip over it, that phrase. But that's where joy is, not in our financial status in any particular time or season. Paul had a ton of issues going on but he grabs hold of this secret and he says the secret is whatever's going on out there does not set the tone of what's going on in here. We sung earlier, I woke up and saw the light and this is Paul. He's like, I see what God says about me and my mind is fixed on those things. Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. So I'm not waiting to have a blessed day. I'm stating aloud in this very moment. I'm deciding in advance that this is what's true of me. I am blessed beyond all measure. And whether I'm going hungry, or whether I've got plenty, I'm a no matter what type of guy when it comes to this. I am blessed beyond all measure. My joy is found in God. I'm not into this slippery claim of our culture that you'll find your fulfillment. You'll find your true self when you do this or when you get that. Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm out of all of those gimmicks. That, That sounds as attractive to me as a mozzie bite. That's a flawed claim of a consumeristic culture and I'm giving that the flick, says Paul. There's no life there. Paul's not awaiting heaven. He's entered the blessed life now. He's learned serenity in the moment. John Piper says, God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied in him. Have we found our satisfaction in Christ today? Or, Or are we getting moved along with the culture to keep shifting the boundary posts and go, well, I'll eventually see myself as blessed but, but I just first need to be able to afford to move out of home with my parents and get my own rental. Then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be content. Then I'll be blessed. And we get there. But that's never the end, is it? I just need to get in a better suburb because where I am presently, well, it's a dump to be honest. And, and when I can manage to, to get a deposit and get my own property, then I'll feel better about life. Then I'll feel blessed by God wait when i can pay off my first home then then i'll feel blessed these goalposts keep shifting and then it becomes about the investment property doesn't it and then it becomes about the superannuation for our retirement can't we see we are being duped we've been taken for a ride it's a never-ending game and we never reach contentment while our minds in that process Paul takes in the belief that because he's got Jesus, he's got everything. He's not being led around by the nose with greed anymore. And his secret for us is you can start now. You can start contentment today. You don't have to wait for the future. And this contentment that Paul enters into, we see next, delivers him from greed. It delivers him from greed. Apparently nothing's changed in Paul's financial status and yet everything's changed in his emotional status because of this contentment that he's learned. And you say, Paul, are you still poor then? Because that's kind of what we're picking up through this reading, that you're still in need. I mean, are you still struggling to find two silver coins to rub together? You kind of go, yeah, but I don't see my life as poor at all I'm inundated with the blessings of God because in myself everything has shifted and he writes this remarkable letter to his supporters saying I have enough I've been adequately provided for like the rest of the day is actually looking really good I might even get three meals today fascinating readers, Paul ducks and weaves throughout this passage it's a little confusing to get a clear view on his financials we kind of want to say, Paul, can you show me a monthly bank statement, your, your details on paper, because I'm getting a bit unclear reading through this letter about what your true situation is. Because one minute you say it, you're okay, and the next minute you say you're going without. So we're just trying to work out, have you got enough bread for toast this morning or not? And Paul zigzags through this. It's a little confusing to read. And I think it's healthy, though. I think it's healthy because... The reason he's zigzagging is because he doesn't want to make the topic of conversation his need for money. He sees God as his provider. George Muller, a famous guy who cared for over 10,000 orphans in his lifetimes, was known to say, because he wouldn't publicly beg for money, and he was known to say, if I expected humans to meet my needs, I'd be telling humans about them. But if I expect the Lord to meet my needs, I'll stick to telling the Lord about them. And this is Paul's sentiments here. This is his approach. And I think it's why he's a bit evasive here in Philippians 4. He's kind of like, on the one hand, I'm good. On the other hand, I know how to go without anyway. So don't lose any sleep over me because God's my provider. And that's why I keep letting you off the hook in this series in terms of Axis Church. I don't want you to feel hooked. I want you to feel liberated in this space. I have zero interest in guilting you towards giving to this church. We will be fine. God is our provider. I feel safe in that. You're just invited to share in to the blessing. This is part of our discipleship journey in following Jesus. But you're not obligated by us by any means. God will meet the needs of his church and his people. And this is Paul's confidence. That's why he can write to his supporters saying, you need to know this about me i've pressed play on the song of praise despite whether i know i've got enough to eat today or not i'm set on rejoicing my worship lockdown music is pumping i'm not begging paul says i'm praising my hands are out all right but they're out here in worship to god seeing him as my provider because i've entered contentment i've shut out consumerism now He's honest about the difficulties he's had and he's thankful that the church cares about his well-being, but he's relieving them totally of pressure. Right now, I'm good. Right now, I'm good. Verse 18, I have plenty. Paul has an abundance mentality and this is amazing for a guy in his condition. I mean, he could have had a scarcity Attitude, couldn't he? But he's like, think of somebody else to bless because today I'm doing really well and my dad owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he's not tight-fisted. He's not stockpiling for some future day, not Paul. Stunningly, he's doing the exact opposite. He's looking out for how everybody else is going and when we are blessed beyond all measure, this is what contentment does. Contentment unlocks generosity in verse 19. Once we see ourselves as blessed beyond all measure, like Paul did, once we're celebrating that our needs are met, it's never a dead end. Here's what comes. Contentment gives birth to generosity. Contentment is actually the parent of many good things. Generosity isn't the parent. It's the offspring, the result of my gratitude and my attitude of Contentment, And this is Paul. And so he's not in self-protection mode when it comes to his supplies, going, well, I better stockpile because last month I went without, so I just want to make sure I've got enough for the coming month. No, he's like this. He's spruiking his confidence in God and wanting to instill that confidence in everybody else. His concern is for others. Verse 19, this same God who takes care of me will supply your needs according to his glorious riches notice how god supplies according to his glorious riches in christ jesus if we're walking in step with the spirit of god we have all the resources of heaven at our disposal how incredible is that you say John. let's get practical how do those glorious riches get into my pockets Well, by God's people being attentive to him, it's about you and me being sensitive to the spirit of God and operating in generosity. But that only happens when we start rejoicing in what we've already got. It's when I see myself as blessed, it's when I answer in contentment that I can follow Paul's incredible example. You say, but... But, and not this thing, the back of our bodies, but a but comes into our reasoning, into our heads. But, what about tomorrow, Jono? Hell, I know I've got enough. Shouldn't I reserve some for X, Y, and Z? I mean, I feel anxious when I think about extravagant generosity. And that's like you said last week, it's giving the first bite of my ice cream away and it's like, no way, this doesn't feel right. I think Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Philippians 4 helps. There's this tiny weenie comment that if we skim over, the greed bug will live on in us and fear will win. We'll continue to hoard resources instead of share. The small tiny weenie, Little truth that's so powerful and life-changing is found in verse 5 at the end there. It says, The Lord is near. That's the antidote to financial anxiety. The Lord is near. There's this little nugget that we dare not skim over because it's so critically important for those of us who would overthink, who would bring anxiety into this space and you would admit, yeah, this is another thing that I worry about. And here the Bible says, don't be anxious about anything. And we go, how is that even possible? This financial area is definitely an area of life I stress and worry over. How do I know if I've got enough for the next season of life? And I do spend a, a lot of time wondering, when is enough enough? And this does choke out in me any sense of being joyous about the idea of giving. Well, here's the freedom. The Lord is near. Those four words change everything. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. You'll have enough. And after this instruction of don't be anxious, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to stop all this nervous energy. It, it, it's justified by those four words. The Lord is near. Talk to him. He's right there taking care of you. Wanting to show himself faithful, wanting to express deep concern for your situation, meeting all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And here's our challenge, emotionally linking Philippians 4:19 back with verse 5. He supplies all of his, our needs out of his glorious riches and, and he's close, he's near, he's available, he's attentive to our needs. What a great encouragement the life of Paul is to us today to embrace this generous spirit this blessed life and know that god will supply all of our needs i'm going to close out in a prayer and a song i just want to bring one final reminder to you Uh, if you're considering your future with access you would just like to know a little bit more please join me for the zoom class at 10 a.m i'd love to see you online let me close in prayer before we sing, lead me to the cross. Lord God, we're about to sing, rid me of myself. I belong to you. And we need you to lead us to the cross again. We need you to remind us how close you are, how generous you've been, how extravagant is your love and your grace that you've poured out upon us. And then we can be generous. Then we can be confident. Then we can be content. Then we can throw off this these stranglehold of consumerism that the culture is trying to feed us. So we, today, right now, in this moment, say, Lord, we are blessed because of Jesus. Lord God, in you, we are satisfied. In you, we are free. Thank you, Lord. Unlocking us today greater and greater levels of trust, of confidence, of generosity. Grow our vision, Lord. Expand our perspective as we continue to push hard into you, knowing every step we take, you match. The Lord is near. Thank you, Father. Amen.